and welcome to Totally Aimless. Um, I'm Linda Rodriguez, and you are at the podcast. This podcast is um, called Totally Aimless because I do totally random topics. And um, the last topic I did was about my day. This time, um, following like a t- continuance of the last podcast, um, if you heard that podcast, you'll have to actually listen to that podcast, but I can give you kind of a little synopsis here. Um, there was a lady who I got prayer for from, and she um, told me I should read the Gospel of John. Um, and so what I'm doing is going to read the Gospel of John for today during this po- uh, podcast. For those of you who do not read the Bible, I will read it for you. <laughs> and here's a reader's guide. Um, it says, read, believe, and receive. The Gospel of John is a vivid word picture of the life of Jesus Christ. Its impact on readers has transformed countless millions of people across the 19 centuries since it was written by the Apostle John. Helpful hints for using this book. Read it again and again. Memorize those verses that specifically speak to you. As you come to know God's word intimately, you will see evidence of his powerful work in your life. Carefully study this book and other parts of God's word daily for a deeper knowledge of God, a more intimate fellowship with his son, and a deeper dependence on his Holy Spirit. Make note of the things that would benefit someone you know. And then share what you have learned with that person. Principle basic to understanding John's gospel. Principles. Okay. God made humans in some ways like himself so that man might experience a partnership and companionship with God without interruption or end. God gave to the first man and woman all they needed for their greatest fulfillment and he warned them not to try to find that fulfillment apart from him the first woman listened to the pervasive arguments of satan man's and god's greatest enemy and her husband joined her in following satan's subtle yet bold suggestion to disobey god the result sin alienated man and woman from God, from each other, and from all creation. Since that time, the event known as the fall, all people have been born with their first ancestors' predisposition to disobey God and selfishly satisfy their own desires. Jesus Christ, who was born without a human father, is the only one ever born into this world without a sin-bent human nature. From the beginning, God reached out to draw people back to himself. By the conviction of divine laws, by ritual sacrifice, accompanied by faith, by prophetic spokesmen, by gracious providence, even by tragedies, always in love. The Gospel of John tells us of God's final and greatest act to restore us, reconcile us to himself 
and to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. That act began with God's incarnation, literally enfleshment, in his son, Jesus, as he came from heaven to share our human nature, yet without sharing our sin, to identify with us in our weakness and sorrows. It continued as he lived in perfect obedience as the representative man and took on himself at the cross the guilt and punishment for the sins of all people. It was completed by his resurrection, where he demonstrated his total triumph over sin and death. This book begins and ends with Jesus Christ. It invites us to examine the evidence to believe it and to receive the full and everlasting life God offers us in Christ by entrusting ourselves only and completely to him. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. John twenty thirty one. This life is the abundant life, and the word of God, including this book, is one provision he has made for the daily enrichment of life. For in it he tells us how to live. He himself said, You are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31, 32 The markings in this book The italic versions affirm the character and identity of Jesus Christ. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The bold-faced verses accent the good news of God's forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. The underlying verses point the way to Christ's living and growth. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Okay, so I think you've got the markings for the book. So italics affirm character and identity of Jesus Christ. Bold face, the good news of God's forgiveness and gift of eternal life, underlined, points the way to Christian living and growth. Hopefully I can remember that. <clears throat> okay. Summary of the Gospel of John. Uh, I don't think I want to do a summary because let's just read. Okay. John. Prologue. Christ, the eternal word. Number one, chapter one. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected 
Okay, so right now I'm getting a bold face, which I totally already forgot what that meant. So bold face verses accent the good news of God's forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. So this bold face sentence, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believe, who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now comes an italicized portion of the Bible. It's, I believe, let's see. Bear with me here, people. Italics from the character and identity of Christ. Okay. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From this abundance, we have all... We have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The Testimony of John the Baptist This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then, who are you? They asked, Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah, or Elijah, or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River. Where John was baptizing. Jesus, the Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as a Messiah, I did not recognize him as a Messiah but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize the water with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testified that he is the chosen one of God. 
so so far um I'm gonna take a little break here. So what we're told to do here is to as I read, if there's a verse that stands out to you, um make sure that you are either marking it down or writing it down or pausing this and then um, writing it down because the verses that stand out for you are things that God is trying to communicate to you, um, trying to say to you. So if there's anything that's standing out, I want to make sure that you know that that's something you should pay attention to um, because it's most likely something God is tugging at your heart, or, um, you know, some of this, these verses is kind of like, okay, I've heard this verse before, yeah, okay, you kind of gloss over it, and then there's some things that I've read several times before, and then it makes sense, or something clicks, or something's changed, even though nothing has changed in the words that are presented, it's just something in my mental state, or something in my heart, my soul, has changed and has allowed me to view that verse differently or my heart has become ready to understand the verse in a different way and maybe in the way that God wants me to, to understand it. So while I read through this, um, be on the lookout for anything that stands out. So the next part is the first disciples. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to meet, decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. 
How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You, see, you will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now on to chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jug jars used for Jewish ceremony washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. It seems like um, some people are upset about this. Okay. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. Believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Cap Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brother, and his disciples. So now, next story. Jesus clears the temple. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so, Jewish, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from ropes and, cha and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will continue. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, Show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It has taken 40 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said.
Jesus and Nicodemus. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. All right, so we're going to cut it there. So, so far we've gone through the stories, which I've read before, actually. Let's see. Let's go back here. So we've heard him, the testimony of John the Baptist, talking about this man that's about to come behind him and why he's able to baptize and all that. And then Jesus actually comes and the first disciples, Jesus clears the temple, and Jesus and Nicodemus is what we've learned so far. So hopefully something stood out to you. I'm going to say, um, let's see, what has stood out for me? I mean, We're talking, we're talking about the first part is John the Baptist um, trying to explain to people about God, but knowing that once, trying to explain to people the Messiah, and knowing that once people actually get to meet the Messiah, they'll know that he's the Messiah. So He's just waiting for the Messiah to come so that he could just be like, see, here he is. Here's the Messiah. Like, here, I told you, here he is. And then he finally comes, and, um, you know, Jesus kind of tells him only a little bit about themselves. You know, like, I saw you under this big tree, uh, to, I believe, Andrew. And Andrew's like, oh, my gosh, you know, Jesus, awesome. He also kind of laughs at Andrew, like, <laughs> I tell you this one thing about that I know of you, and you believe me. Like, you just believe me. Did I say that one thing? Which I wonder if he says that, like, I wonder if a part of that is, like, don't be silly. You believe so easily. Which means you can be swayed so easily, maybe. Because if, I mean... And really, I mean, if if you thought logically about it, how many fig trees are there and how what are the odds of him sitting under a fig tree is probably pretty a pretty good chance maybe, you know, if like I don't know. If God's like like, yeah, I know. I see you you know. you um you know like like magicians like it's kind of like a thing like okay chances are he's probably laid under a fig tree that's what a lot of people in this town do so if i tell him that he'll probably believe me kind of thing so it's kind of i think that just a good it's a good um it's a good kind of point to, that jesus is making that it's like don't believe so easily like i don't want you to just believe me so willy-nilly like oh i'm very 
can breathe through fire. It's not shouldn't be that easy. It should 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 have more faith in that, maybe. Um yeah. And of course he made that miracle with the wine at the wedding. Um and then there's people got really upset. He's like, You were supposed to do the good wine first and and all that. So, um yeah, and then he got mad at the people for being right outside the what was that called? Um I don't know, the church kind of thing. It's not the church, but you know, they were selling stuff. They were selling doves and then exchanging money and trying to look for Okay, the temple. Yeah. So, you know, the temple, people outside of the temple decided that's a great place to market. <laughs> so they started to put up tables and, like, sell doves and sell whatever else and, like, change money and whatever. And when Jesus saw that, he was like, no, the temple's not a money-making kind of place. That's not what this is for. And... Definitely wrecked that place and shoot off all, you know, just got those people out of there. Because the temple's there for worshiping, it's not for making money. Because that's just the way it is. Like, spirit first, not money. Um, they had to clear that out and kind of make that apparent to people. Because, um, I guess they didn't realize that that was something that shouldn't have been done. And then there's, uh, in chapter 2, which is, okay, so you get that Jesus clears the temple, and then the story right after it is Jesus and Nicodemus, and it's the smallest story, because it says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. Okay, that's a good thing. People are trusting in Jesus. Great, that's good. But Jesus didn't trust them. Okay. Hello, don't trust, I wouldn't, yeah, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't either, because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what hum, what mankind is really like. Okay. Okay. At first, I, I, I thought, it's a really small few sentences, and then that's the end of chapter two. But... That makes sense. So it, it tells you right there. Jesus wants, uh, sees that we trust him, but he's like, I don't trust you people. I don't trust you. And uh, why would they, why would they even put that in here? I guess he knew what, okay, so it says here, no one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. So I guess maybe they're just trying to say he knew people are not trustworthy and we're fallible and we make mistakes and we're, we lie and all that stuff. So I guess I guess I understand that part. 
um, that makes sense to me. And God would know that, right? Because, or Jesus would know that because he was Jesus and he's like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you better not be trusted. Anyhow, so that's the first couple of things, first couple of stories with John. Um, it's interesting. Um, hopefully you took away something. I'm sure there's some deeper, something deeper that could have gone. So it says, uh, the prologue is, in the beginning the word was already existed, the word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. That's enough for Gospel of John chapters 1 and 2. And thank you for listening to Totally Aimless. And we'll probably continue with the Gospel of John. It's a tiny kind of book. We've got a couple of chapters, but we can get through this. And um, until next time, we'll read the rest of the chapters, or the rest of the couple of chapters at a time. All right, have a good night. Bye.